This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 160. I'm James L. Rubart, but call me Jim. And I'm flying solo today because Thomas and Margaret had their baby. It's a girl, and they named her Mercy. I'm guessing Thomas will be back within the next episode or two and give you all the details. In this episode, we're going to talk about how the snowflake method of writing a novel can significantly improve your stories and writing process and marketing as well. And to do that, I'm going to play an interview I did with Randy Ingermanson, the inventor of the Snowflake Method. Randy, along with Trisha Goyer, discovered me way back in 2006, and Randy and I have been fast friends ever since. He's brilliant. You know that phrase, well, it's not like he's a rocket scientist. Randy could be. He has his PhD in physics, so he is a seriously intelligent gentleman. He's also a brilliant novelist, nonfiction writer, teacher, and one of the finest men I know. A number of years ago, Randy designed a way of writing novels called the Snowflake Method, and it's been downloaded around the world more than six million times. I interviewed Randy a few days ago, so you're going to hear where the Snowflake Method came from and how you can use it to improve your writing and your marketing. So, without further delay, here's my interview with Randy Ingermanson. Randy, thanks for coming on the show. I think this is the second or third time you've been on, um, but either way, I know it's been far too long. The fact that I can't remember how many times you've been on tells me that it's been too long, so thank you for coming on again. Well, thanks for having me on today. I think this is actually the second time. This is number two. All right. Well, good. Um, well, I want to talk to you about the snowflake method because it's this is something that's fascinated me and fascinated people all over the world. I mean, you really became famous. This this was really what put you on the map in the writing world. Um, and I'll see things on like Quora where it'll come up, hey, have you heard of this method called the snowflake method? So first of all, congratulations on what you've accomplished with this. How did it first come about? Um, tell us where the germ of the idea came from and how it really developed for you. Well, I think it really goes back to my seventh grade English teacher. Uh, you know, she was trying desperately to get us all to settle down long enough to write just a paragraph. And I finally figured out after about three tries that the way you write a paragraph is you write one sentence that's sort of the main idea of the paragraph, and then you write three sentences that sort of support that, and then you write another sentence explaining what you just said. And that, you know, worked for me for a long time in writing paragraphs, but I discovered, you know, as I got into high school and college that you could actually construct uh, all these papers you had to write in that same way. So you would start with maybe a paragraph explaining what you're going to say, and then a few paragraphs to elaborate on that in various ways, and then another paragraph to sum it all up. And so uh, in uh, 1986, when I sat down to write my PhD thesis, uh, I had actually waited a while to get started writing on it, and so I didn't have huge amounts of time to write, and so I just sat down with a piece of paper and uh, you know wrote down, here's the main idea I want to get across in this thesis, and then here are a few sub-things, and then here's, you know, I'll just summarize it at the end. But then those sub things, of course, had to be elaborated a bit. So I says, okay, for each of these sub things, the main idea I want to get across is this, uh, but there's some sub things that have to be, you know, done there. And so in 
just a couple of hours, as I recall, I had sketched out my entire PhD thesis. Now, that wasn't written. You know, nothing was actually written. But now I had a game plan. I had a roadmap that would take me through the thesis. And, uh, you know, you're going to find this hard to believe, but I wrote the first draft of my PhD thesis in about a month. And then it took some, you know, revisions and editing to, to you know, wrap it up into final shape and, and things. But uh, writing a PhD thesis in a month is fast. And so later on, when I went to write novels, it just seemed obvious to me that that was how I was going to write my novel, is I would figure out what the story's about, and then I would sort of, uh, you know, lay out the major turning points in the novel. And then for each of those, I would sort of break that down and break that down and break that down until I knew more or less how the novel was going to go. Now, you've probably heard of outliners, right? Do you like outlining, Jim? Uh, I, <laughs> you know I don't. I'm not a big outliner. I don't like outlining either. So people like Robert Ludlum, who was a very famous outliner, used to make an outline that was like 100 pages long. And for that's for a 400-page novel. So he was doing a substantial amount of writing, he knew everything that was going to happen in that story. Uh, I don't feel comfortable outlining to that depth. I want to know more or less what's going to happen. But, you know, like a lot of seat of the pants writers, I like to discover in each scene how it's actually going to play out. Uh, so the snowflake method just spells things out down to the level of, okay, in this scene, this is going to happen. One sentence, this is what happens in this scene. That's all. And then when I go to write the scene, I, I write the scene and I have fun um, writing it. Uh, so that's kind of how I developed the core ideas. That's not how I became famous for it. That's a whole different story. Uh, but that's how I came to the understanding of how to write the snowflake, uh, you know, how to use the snowflake method for myself. And in one sense, the snowflake is, I mean, it's essentially, it's, it's 10 steps that, that, that you take people through. And, and you have that on your website. By the way, this is not a commercial for the snowflake method, folks, because you can actually go to Randy's website, advancedfictionwriting.com, and right there on the homepage, he'll take you through, oh, I don't think it's on the homepage. I think it's a little bit in. But you take people right through the method, don't you? Right. I actually have a URL that points only to that snowflake uh, method page. So it's called snowflakemethod.com. That just takes you to a page on advancedfictionwriting.com. And it's free. Uh, it has been viewed something like 6 million times over the last at uh, 12, 13 years, something like that. Okay. So Randy, can you quickly take us through those, those 10 steps? So we have a framework, um, just kind of a... In our mind, we can have a framework to go off of? Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll spend a lot of detail on step one because, you know, if you get started in the right direction with a novel, it's really hard to go wrong. So step one is um, uh, what I like to call the one sentence summary of your novel. Or some people call it a log line. And what I do is, uh, you know, I have an idea for a novel that has been kicking around in my head for a long time, but I don't have anything written down. So I give myself one hour. Okay. Set the clock running and say, I've got an hour to write one whole sentence. 
And this sentence needs to, um, it needs to be the selling tool for my novel. So I want this to really summarize at a very, very high level what my novel's about. Because once I've got this set in my mind, you know, I really can't go wrong. You know, I can I could veer off in one direction or the other, but if I keep coming back and looking at the sentence, I'll always do a course correction. So for my first published novel, which was, um, I, I published that in the year 2000, it's a time travel novel. So here is the one sentence summary for that novel. A rogue physicist travels back in time to kill the Apostle Paul. Okay, so that's what the story is about. And if I start writing the story and I start drifting off into wanting to talk about uh, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, or you know, someone else, or, or veering off away from this plot to kill the Apostle Paul, every time I come back to that one-sentence summary, I'm going to say, oh, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm wrong. I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to get back and undo what I just did. Okay. And that's one of the great things I love about the one sentence summary. So this is something you would, this is something you could figure figuratively or literally put on your computer, right? So you're re constantly referring back to that. Yes. Right. You know, in this case, the one that I gave you was 12 words. So, you know, you could have that at the very top of your document and look at it every day. You could paste that to your computer screen. Uh, but here's the other important point. Uh, 12 words is very easy to, to memorize. It's If you can, you know, summarize your story down to, you know, under 25 words, you can hand that to someone and it's short enough that they can remember it. And it's very important, uh, you know, when you're trying to sell a story that you can summarize it so quickly that, that the person you're trying to sell it to can make a decision instantly. Okay, there are some people who are going to say, Rogue, I don't care about physicists. I don't care about time travel. I don't care about the Apostle Paul. This is not for me. And that's great because then I don't spend three hours talking about, well, you know, there's this guy and, oh, there's a girl too, you know, and there's, you know, time travel and there's Jerusalem. I don't waste time on someone who really doesn't give a rip about my story. Well, that's the thing that, that I actually, one of the things I love about the Snowflake Method is it, it's much more than a, it certainly is a tool to help write your novel, but it also is a marketing tool. And right out of the gate, you have helped people develop a log line or uh, an elevator pitch or whatever you want to, the terminology you want to use to describe that. But all of a sudden, now they have a line that they're going to use, uh, you know, for the for their entire life. And, and so I love that aspect of it. Exactly. Because, see, you have to sell your novel seven times if you're going through a traditional publisher. Right? You first have to sell it to your editor you know, the acquisitions editor, you've got to sell them the idea that, yeah, I have a book that needs to be written. But then your editor needs to sell that idea to the publishing committee. Then they have to sell it to the marketing people. And then the marketing people have to sell it to the bookstore owners. And the bookstore people have to sell it to customers who walk into the store. And customers who walk into the store, ideally, they read the book and they have this this one sentence summary in their head, they can tell their friends. That's, and that's what word of mouth is. And that's what makes stories sell is word of mouth. Okay. So we've got, we've got step one. Okay. So step two, 
essentially is an expansion on that. So remember how I talked about how in when you're writing a paragraph, you have first a sentence and then you know three more sentences that expand on that and then a final sentence. That's what step two is. So we write a one paragraph summary of your story in which the first sentence um, you uh, uh, you talk about the lead-in to the story, the back, the, the lead character and the background and what's the category of the story. And then in each of the next three sentences, you talk about a major stage in the story. And you know, you know authors talk a lot of times about the three-act structure. So each of those next three sentences are the three acts in the three-act summary, or the, the, the three-act structure. And then the final sentence sort of explains how the story ends. So in five sentences, uh, you can summarize your story. But notice, this is an expansion of your original one-sentence summary, right? So this is now maybe 50 to 100 to even 200 words. And this is something that's appropriate for when you're pitching your story to an editor or an agent at a writing conference. So you sit down at a conference, the agent says, what have you got? You give them your one sentence summary. If they go, ooh, that sounds cool, tell me more. Now you give them the one paragraph summary because uh, in the one paragraph summary, you are going to work naturally through the one act, or, sorry, the three act structure of your novel. And editors and agents are pros. They will instinctively recognize that you have just given them the three-act structure for a story. Your, your novel is now guaranteed to work at a structural level. And that's a very important thing. A lot of novice novelists don't have a solid uh, large-scale structure for their story, so it can't work. And step two of the snowflake prevents that from happening. It ensures that you will have a sound story structure for your novel. And when I say sound story structure, I mean one that is going to give your reader a powerful emotional experience. Right. And like you already said, it is going to tell the editor or the agent, oh, I now have confidence in this person. At least they understand how this, this process works. Um, and that first impression with an editor and agent is so critical. So I love that it, again, becomes a marketing tool. You have just marketed yourself to a potential editor agent. Yeah, exactly. So then step three of the snowflake then switches gears from plot and moves into character. Because, you you know, a novel is really about characters in conflict. So the conflict is the plot of the story. Uh, and the characters are critically important. So in step three... Uh, you basically spell out at a very high level who your characters are. Who's the hero? What's his name? Um, what's he doing in the story? What's his goal? What's his conflict? Uh, what's his, uh, what are his values? Uh, does he have an epiphany in the story? Uh, can you write a one-sentence summary for that character's uh, section of the story? Or can you write a one-paragraph summary for that character? So step three is starting to, to be some serious work. Um, uh, and it you, you do basically the same uh, analysis for each of the primary characters in your story, the hero, the villain, the love interest, 
the sidekick, you know, the funny guy, uh, uh, you know, any of the important characters in your story. Okay. So we've got the characters. Those are spelled out. Then step four is what? Okay. In step four, you write basically a one-page synopsis of your story, and that's based on the one-paragraph summary that you wrote in step two. And it doesn't take a long time to write this. Uh, remember, the uh, one-paragraph summary is five sentences. Take each of those sentences and expand it to a paragraph, and you have a one-page summary of your novel. That's step four. Nice. Each each piece in the Snowflake Method is building on the next piece, or the previous piece. Yeah. So step five? In step five, you return to your characters, and you say, okay, I already you know, I gave uh, some information about each of my characters. Now I'm going to develop their backstory. You know, where'd they come from? What's their life been like? What are they trying to achieve in this story? So I like to write, you know, either, you know, from a half page up to a full page uh, for each of my main characters. So it takes maybe an hour per character. That's not a big investment in time. And at the end of step five, you now have several pages that, that spell out who your characters are. And you're really starting to understand these people and how they play together. Uh, in your novel, I imagine a lot of people will tell you as these characters, as they're doing their one pages on their characters, they're seeing how they're going to interact, and the ideas are coming to them on how they will clash with some of the other characters. Do you do you find that happens? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that happens to me. I get emails from people all the time saying, you know, I was just going through the motions, and suddenly, you know, my story came alive, my character started to come alive, and this thing is like magic. And that always makes me happy to hear that because it's it feels like magic to me. And if it feels like magic to other people, then, you know, maybe it really is magic. <laughs> Could be. Okay, step, uh, step six. Step six. So you wrote a one-page synopsis of your novel in step four. Now take that and expand each of those, um, uh, each of the paragraphs in uh, your one-page synopsis synopsis into a full page. And now you've got a four or five or six page synopsis suitable for sending for including in your proposal. That's all there is to it. Nice. And step seven? In step seven. So now we return to the characters. And for each of the important characters, we basically fill out a character Bible. So we want to know everything about them. We want to know the details. What's their birth date? What's their description? You know, do they have any scars? Uh, but, uh, uh, basically, anyone, anything you would need to know, uh, you know, why are they this way? Uh, you know, tell me what hap what awful thing happened back when they were in seventh grade. Um, uh, you know, what's their house look like? What's in their wallet? Um, you know, there's many possible questions that you can ask, and different genres of fiction will need different sets of questions. So, develop your own set of questions. I have a sample set in uh, on my website. But uh, you should not think those questions, my questions are, are cut into stone. You should develop your own questions that are relevant to your story. Okay, we're on to step eight. We're ready to go. What do we do here? Step eight is really crucial. And uh, people who don't do any of the other steps will often find step eight very, very helpful. And that is to take your synopsis, whatever you've got, and now break that up into a list of scenes. So a typical novel has maybe 100 scenes. So you want one sentence for each scene telling what happens in that scene. Um, 
you know, and, and so at the end of this, I like to do this in a spreadsheet or in my, I have a Snowflake Pro software, which lets you, you know, do all this uh, on, on your computer. Uh, just one line for each scene, and you, then you can move things around if you like. Um, and at the end of this process, you, you have a pretty detailed guide to how your story is going, you know, at the level of scenes. Yeah, I used the Snowflake method before you had the software version. I used the Snowflake method to write my second novel, Book of Days, and I did it on an Excel spreadsheet where that's how I did it. I just plugged in all my scenes that way, and I printed it out, and it was uh, it was a bunch of 8.5 by 11 pieces of paper taped together because I wanted to see it in a big visual way, and that it, that was incredibly powerful because it's all right there. It's it's all right there in front of you. Yeah, John Olson and I, when we wrote our uh, Mars novels, um, uh, John is not a snowflaker, but we had a, a spreadsheet and we worked with that and we moved things around and deleted and, and you know edited on the fly. So that that scene list saved us; it kept us from going crazy. Nice. Now, step nine. I don't think you do this step anymore, but. Tell us, tell us what it is and tell us if you're still using that or not. It says on my website that I don't do this step anymore, but I've come back to it. So step nine is for each of those scenes, um, analyze it a little bit further and ask, okay, what's the goal? What's the conflict? What's the setback in this scene if it happens to be a proactive scene? And if it's a reactive scene, what is the emotive reaction? Then what is the intellectual dilemma? And then finally, what is the decision going forward for the next scene? So it's you know, typically just a few lines of sub-analysis on a scene, uh, if you need that. Um, so some people like that, some people don't. If you don't like that step, don't do it. But if you do like it, then do it. And step 10, write the novel. It's really simple. Write your novel. Um, take Take all the stuff that you've developed, take your scene list and write scene one, then write scene two, then write scene three. Uh, and typically, you know, when I'm about a quarter of way into the novel, I will find that, okay, things are changing a little bit. I'm going to update my Snowflake documents. Um, and then I'll do that again at about midway into the novel and then about three quarters of the way into the novel. And then when I get my revision letter back from my editor saying, here are all the things that are wrong with your story. Uh, you know, I will first, you know, cry in rage and frustration at the stupidity of my editor, but you know, that everyone does that. Uh, but then I just go back to my snowflake and say, here's what I'm going to do to rewrite my novel to make my moronic editor happy. Um, and you know, usually after a bit of crying and complaining, I realized that my editor is actually quite smart and it, the moron is me. <laughs> That's what I always discover. <laughs> so, Randy, are there people that the Snowflake method just does not work for? Have you found this? Absolutely. Uh, I gave a talk once for a group of writers, and one of them was a, an award-winning novelist, and she took my Snowflake method to heart, and she tried to use it, and after a few months, she found that she was really getting nowhere with it. And so she... She came back to me and says, look, it just was not working for me. I had to ex ask for an extension on my contract. And that really, you know, surprised me at first. But eventually I realized, you know, it really, it totally makes sense. I'm not an outliner, right? And I'm not a seat of the pants writer. I'm, my brain is wired differently. Everyone's brain is wired differently. So some people should just 
right by the seat of their pants without doing any pre-analysis. Stephen King does that, and he seems to do fine, you know? Um, Robert Ludlum wrote Outlines only, and he did fine. <laughs> yeah, they both did okay. The, the, the gospel that I preach now is use what works for you and don't use what doesn't work for you. But that makes so much sense, Randy. That's the problem. It's so logical. Surprising. <laughs> Here's the interesting thing, because I am a discover-as-you-go writer, but I've been familiar with the Snowflake method for a long time, and then I want to talk about this in a second. Randy wrote a book. You can actually um, you can get the software, you can get the pro software, you can get the free version, but you also can get a, a physical book and an audio book, and Randy hired me to voice the audiobook of the Snowflake Method. And even though I am a discovery writer, what I learned really being immersed in the Snowflake Method is it informed my thinking on my last novel in a way that if I hadn't really studied the Snowflake Method, it wouldn't have been as, I think the novel turned out well, it wouldn't have been as good a novel. And so I think even those of you out there right now that are going, ah, I don't know, that doesn't sound like me. I promise you, coming from a pantser or a discover-as-you-go writer, this will inform you in ways you did not think that you'd be informed. Yeah, and I think uh, seat-of-the-pants writers could probably benefit from using from the from looking at the snowflake when they're doing revisions, because now the story's written and it may be a bit unstructured and needs some structure. Looking at the various steps of the snowflake method will suggest how to restructure your story. Uh, you may want to actually analyze your story in reverse. So start at step nine and then go through step eight and step seven all the way back to step one. And finally, at the end of step one, you'll go, ah, you know, my, I finally understand my story. It's about a rogue physicist who travels back in time to kill the Apostle Paul. And that's not wrong. That's not the wrong way to do things. It's if that's your way, then that's your way and, and run with it. You know, you can't change the way your brain is wired. Hey, Randy, before I let you go, I have a question in regard to the Snowflake method and marketing, which we visited at the start of the interview. And I don't mean how it can help you with your marketing tools. I want to talk just for a few minutes about how it has become a huge marketing tool for you and your other products. So talk to us a little bit about how, how you've done that and what success you've seen from doing that. Uh, so are you talking about the fact that uh, 6 million people have viewed my um uh, Snowflake page, and by that they've discovered my website at advancedfictionwriting.com. Is that what you're you're asking about? Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. And discovered, which I think you're probably you've probably got eighty thousand books out there. Um, how to write fiction for dummies, which which by the way, a uh, huge endorsement for that book. Uh, love that book. Uh, so obviously you're selling more than the Snowflake Pro. You're selling all your other products, and the Snowflake really was the marketing tool for that. Right, right. The snowflake. Oh, so marketing is about attracting people, then engaging them, and then converting them. So the snowflake method um, has attracted, you know, like I say, millions and millions of people to my website. Uh, it has brought them in uh, just by virtue of existing and the fact that Google, you know, knows about this page and um, and brings people to this page when they search for how to write a novel. Uh, and then, then it's you know, uh, then my website itself engages people and eventually converts people to actually buying, you know, paying me money. Uh, uh, but you know, of course, the snowflake ha th there has to be something at the at the top end of that that pipeline there, and the snowflake article is that 
thing. It, it really has drawn a lot of people in. And we could talk about some um, marketing some other time. Uh, you know, everybody needs something to attract people to their site. Yeah. And, and, and I guess that's exactly what I wanted to hear from you, Randy, is I want people listening to say, all right, what can my snowflake be? What can, can my thing be? And, and, and realize how powerful that can become. Okay, Randy, a um, couple of questions in closing. One, where can people find out more about Randy Ingermanson, the novelist, and where can people find about, out about Randy, the teacher? Right. So I, have, I wear two different hats and I have two different websites. My fiction writing hat is at ingermanson.com. So I-N-G-E-R-M-A-N-S-O-N.com. And you'll find out all about my novels there, including the rogue physicist novel. Uh, And then if you want to learn how to write fiction, maybe you don't care about my fiction that I write. Maybe you just care about my ideas on how you can write your fiction. That would be at advancedfictionwriting.com. Love it. Anything in closing you want to say to our listeners, Randy? You know, I think I already said it. Start small and just keep expanding out until you've got a novel. That's the snowflake method. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Randy. And it's not going to be so long before we have you <laughs> have you on again. Okay. Thanks for having me on today, Jim. It was great. You bet. So there you have it, my interview with Randy about the snowflake method. And again, you can find out more about Randy at ingermanson.com and advancedfictionwriting.com, and we'll have links in the show notes for that. Our featured patron this week is Benjamin Ellefson. What if you were transported to a land without color, and the only one who could restore it was you? When Alvin gets a mysterious pack of gum for his birthday, he of course blows a bubble as large as he can. But when that bubble carries him away to a far-off land, where everything is gray, he is in for the adventure of his life, and more than a little danger. In the multi-award winning The Land Without Color, Benjamin Ellefson has crafted a middle-grade tale full of fantasy and wonder that will capture young readers' minds as well as their hearts. And in the show notes, we will have a link where you can pick up a copy of The Land Without Color. Our sponsor this week is the five-year plan to becoming a best-selling author. You want to become a best-selling author? We have a plan. Thomas and I designed a step-by-step guide that teaches you the exercises you need to do, the books you need to read, and the writing you need to be accomplishing quarter by quarter. Even if you're a published author, this course will show you the areas you need to get stronger in to hit that bestseller status. Is the course for everyone? No. You have to work hard. But you already knew that, right? Find out all the details on the five-year plan to becoming a best-selling author at novelmarketing.com slash courses. And as always, Novel Marketing patrons get 50% off. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Randy Ingermanson on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.